Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Passionately Curious podcast. I am so very excited today because our guest today is my friend, my mastermind buddy, my coach, my inspiration, Anna Kohula-Smith, who is joining us from all the way from Peru today. And Anna has just like, at least for the last one or two years since I've known her, she has been an inspiration for me every day. And I was also excited to have her here as a podcast guest. So Anna, welcome to the Passion of the Curious podcast. Uh, how are you doing? Well, as I told you before, I can, this is the first time I've really been excited to do a podcast. I think this is, I think you've created some really great conditions to want to share. And it's been, I'm excited because we share so much offline that it's fun to come online together and, and share, share our conversations too. Um, awesome. Awesome. So let's start where all good things start. And that is with knitting and creativity. And I want you to okay, talk we'll about see. I want you to talk about knitting and share how you feel about knitting. Yeah. yeah. Your voice is I could talk about this for a yeah. I could talk about knitting actually for a while, and which is funny because I feel like I'm I'm really significantly under underqualified. There's so many amazing knitters out there. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt like one of the things that's happened in my life in the past year and a half has been this need to all this all of this 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 care and love I have in the world to have that come through my body in different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Rather than just me writing, which does come through my fingers and through my brain. Mm-hmm. But to find ways of actually manifesting my thinking through action that's not just cerebral in your head. And so for me, there's certain activities that really lend themselves beautifully to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I started weaving over Christmas. My mom and I were weaving together. Weaving is a wonderful one too. Watercoloring last year, painting and drawing. But I think knitting for me is one of my favorites. It's like probably one of the best metaphors for the creative life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is the fact that in every moment in life, we are stitching together sort of an, an experience itself. It was like a, a weaving under and over and around and through and I love remembering that and, mm-hmm. and remembering the actual action of thread kind of passing through my fingers, through these knitting needles or through a crochet hook and how that kind of represents what's actually happening anyway yeah. in that. Um, yeah. it's, like, it's, like, it's like taking a concept and making it physical. You, know, you put mm-hmm. it into your, and so knitting for me is is obviously, I just love textiles and I love touching them. It's like, I wrote a blog piece about this a while ago, but like when you, when, when I knit something, I, it's almost like the way parents might look at a kid, you know, you hold mm-hmm. this kid out in front of you and you're like, I made this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, one line or however many lines of stitches, rows of stitches. And mm-hmm. you're thinking, but this is something I'm actively in the middle of doing. and I can see it while it's happening. And I think that's often hard in a creative's life and a, you know, a solopreneur's life and a freelancer's life and, and really a professional's life to see something made so visible. Yeah. Um, and I just love that about it. I, I can talk about it for a long time. Um, yeah. And then, of course, I, everything from the fact that it's tactile, it's full of color, it's useful, it's practical, and it's shared with textile artists and women all over the world. I didn't realize that until I started knitting and I could start talking to all these women 
-hmm. about knitting mm -hmm. and about crochet and about weaving. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's <laughs> you know, this reminds me of, of uh, so I was in the mountains a few years back and I was staying in this hostel and I would stay in my room and work, but uh, come out. And in, from my balcony, I could see a house being made from scratch. And that became a metaphor for me for creativity, where I saw them like lay, like digging and then laying the foundation. And then and I saw how <laughs> like you can't think of windows before you start working with a foundation and how many times in our creative projects, we get stuck with the windows. Like how would the windows look, which is which will come <laughs> like very late in the game and it became a physical metaphor and yeah knitting yeah the way you expressed it in our conversation lately is like you just keep knitting and you create something out of nothing i think that is very close to what very close to magic and again very close to what we as freelancers and solopreneurs do is like it's not a job it's not like somebody saying hey i'm looking for someone it's like we just show up and we raise our hand and we do stuff and suddenly like things happen like for me like sometimes people say tell me more about passionately curious and i'm like wasn't that a figment of my imagination like <laughs> like but now it's a it was thing almost just a ball of yarn right like wasn't it just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome and, awesome and it's, yeah. it's just satisfying to see it come together it's like I think we were talking yesterday in our mastermind but I think so often it's like you don't I don't I'm not sitting there thinking I'm an artist making a piece of thing I sit here yeah. I'm knitting this next this next stitch yeah. and then the next stitch and, yeah. and and really what I love about it as you said is all of a sudden you look down and you've created something yeah for you yeah. with this podcast, I mean, however many podcasts you've done, you're like, okay, I've, now I'm a podcaster. Now I'm a knitter. Yeah. Now I've created yeah. something. And I think it happens when you don't realize it's happening. And yet, and so having it made manifest and yeah. visible and tangible, and maybe why I recommend knitting for a lot of creatives, it's just, yeah. it's just nice to see how it actually works. Yeah. 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 It also reminds me of, uh, this book picks uh, creativity incorporated by ed catmull so he talks about the pixar movie making thing and he is very adamant as a as a leader of the organization that you're creating something out of nothing but when he goes and talks to all these writers and directors they say oh no no the movie is already there we are just uncovering it and like it's it's this tussle that they talk about and it's like it's it's beautiful. Like it's definitely a worth read. I would recommend. But uh, let's move for, further from there. I want to ask you about about climate, about your uh, experience with the carbon L neck, and and mostly I want to start with your motivation. How did you feel so strongly about working uh, towards climate change? And I have seen you. Uh, like inspiring us and leading us throughout your presence with the project. But I would like to know how this story started. Like what motivated you or what is the big motivation or big change that happened? So, yeah, I think I, it's like what you just asked, I feel like it kind of be restated to say like kind of what has been the evolution of you reaching, being who you want to become for the past couple of years is how did you come into that, you know? And 
I think for, I think probably like so much of us, and I imagine perhaps you too, you, mm-hmm. um, you, you could tell us, but I, you, 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 when you get really, really tired of a narrative mm-hmm. um, and you just are like, I just cannot, I cannot spend another day of my life listening to the same um and for me, it's, 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 you know, any kind of apocalyptic doomsday, I, I'm so allergic to it mm-hmm. in that I, I live in a part of the world. I live in Iquitos, Peru, which is a, a really highly impoverished, highly, um, it's a fabulous, fascinating place. It's a very challenging place where I'm constantly interfacing with people right at the margin and on, mm-hmm. on, on the edge um, between survival and, and not. And I think, for me, I got, you know, so you get tired of these narratives about people's future, about the future of the planet, about what's possible. Mm-hmm. And I think more than anything, what probably a lot of us are looking for and what the Carbon Almanac offers and, and others too, but in particular is, an, is a new narrative that says, actually, mm-hmm. you, your input and involvement will make an impact and it does it will contribute to something that you like there will be an end that you like even if the end isn't one kind of climate outcome or another you will be part of something where you you have contributed to a vision of the future and you've acted like the best version of yourself in the process like that's a that's a hell of an offer to make somebody and i think that's that's a very hard offer to come by unless the people who create it genuinely believe it Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I needed that switch. I had felt completely paralyzed in a state of paralysis over climate for, I mean, at least a decade mm-hmm. prior to getting involved. And, and I, and as a long-term, you know, reader of Seth's work and also just sort of, I guess, you know, connected to him and this community, like knowing that there was actually a way I could meaningfully contribute that wasn't going to be completely, frankly, going up in flames or worthless or futile or ultimately ultimately leaving me feeling like kind of more of the same. Yeah. I wanted to walk away from my involvement each day or after, you know, after, after each work session and feel differently about myself and about what was possible. Mm-hmm. And I think Carbon Almanac extends the, ver- the notion of possible into no it's not too late we can yeah. do a lot we have a lot we still need to do we need to stay on top of this and mm-hmm. and and really be focusing on working together mm-hmm. um so the motivation for me came from that switch and kind of the idea like you go from a few any time in your life when you feel like something is futile and you're like I, I i can't i can't see progress being made there is no progress to be made and whatever i do doesn't matter where that leaves people which is usually death right mm-hmm. or some version of just not continuing death of a project yeah. you know whatever and and what you're seeking is life and growth mm-hmm. you want people around you who say that and who actually believe it mm-hmm. People like you, you know, who believe it. People like, you know, so many of the collaborators in the network, you know, it's just like, yeah. we believe that it's not just lip service to a failed cause. Mm-hmm. And I think I immediately found that I was, it was, it was funny the day I found out about it, <clears throat> I like, it immediately became a priority to me to become a part of it. Okay. You know, the, the, the draw of things become so clear. You, you, you know, if you really listen to yourself, 
there's no way you can't do them. You can't not do them. I mean, you know, and I think that's what it became for me. Um, yeah. And what, I'm curious about you or, you know, at some point I want to hear what, what drew you in? Was it similar? What was your. Yeah. I, I, I agree with so much. Like for me, Carbonell net was an epitome of what an individual can do when they are a part of a right community. Like it was not one leader with thousand followers. It was like thousand leaders and there was no follower and everyone would show up as a leader. And so it's a very different ball game when you have a team of 10 leaders versus like a leader and 10 followers. Like nobody is waiting for anyone to initiate. Nobody is waiting for permission and it takes time to win that culture, but it's beautiful. Like I just saw how I, for me, it was like, this is a space where I can share my ideas without being like, without them being trampled upon by saying, Hey, this is not realistic or this is not instead. It's like, Hey, how can I help? This sounds interesting. Or, Hey, have you thought you can do it this way? And that was for me personally, it, it, it changed a lot in me in terms of how I show up because I just started realizing that I can just go up and talk to anyone and initiate something and make it tangible and be generous. And I don't need to like wait for permission or wait for things to change before I do that. So for me, that environment is, is, uh, is something that I have been waiting all, I had been waiting all my life where, yeah, you can just raise your hand and say, Hey guys, I was thinking about this. What do you think? and not be afraid of judgment or or permission or something so yeah but yeah uh i so what i want to talk about next is like i have seen you show up in the carbonell neck and after that we have become friends and i've seen you show up in the work that you're doing but i see you show up with so much energy so much enthusiasm so much uh courage and you're not someone who will like uh, suggest an idea and then she is gone evolve. like she would be there like if if Anna Kohler Smith has committed to something then that thing will happen and there are so many so many instances I can think of the Kansas City initiative that you took the Carbonell next Spanish edition the work that you're doing in the indigenous communities so I want to talk about all of that but before we go there I want to talk about the transformation for you where like you how did you transform into wanting to be a professional and then being a professional because we have talked about this a bit earlier but tell me about the struggle before becoming a professional what were you doing uh, doing what was the feeling like and what instigated the shift and how how has the shift been for you mm. Those are great questions. Um, well, I think I think probably for, like many people who who care and who are also afraid, which is often goes together. I feel like they pretty much always or often go together, you know, because you, when you care, the stakes are higher, and you you have things. It's like when you ask someone on a date, you everything everything's your risk, you know. There's vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think for a long 
for the longest time, I would say at least 10 years, probably. No, I mean, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say like, I wanted to be a reader Mm-hmm. for probably 15 years before mm-hmm. I really was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really took me until my mid thirties and now like almost 40 to, to stop, to, to manage my own resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of people, it's a similar road that I feel like a lot of us have gone down where the more you care, the more you resist the, and then the more you resist, the more angry at yourself you are for resisting. And then the less likely you are to start it, you know, and it kind of just gets into this really just sort of turbulent and and uncomfortable walled in feeling. And all you can do is just kind of cry uncle, like, I cannot do this anymore. I need to create the conditions for myself. So for the longest time, I wanted to become a professional. And a lot of it first for me was resistance. That was really my first big battle. I had, you know, really what is a battle? I mean, it feels kind of bloody, you know, you're kind of like out there just (laughs) knocking stuff around, trying to get it moving Mm -hmm. in your own life. And I, I got, I kind of, I think, you know, like many of us identifying resistance, identifying fear, identifying vulnerability. What are those entities like that look like in me? How do they feel in me? Mm -hmm. That was a big one for me. And that, that happened about, yeah, I would say maybe five years ago or so, maybe maybe four. I mean, it's not been that long. I'm really on the road myself. And then the next kind of one I went through, I was thinking about my different stages, was mm-hmm. about, um, what was it about? Well, I guess prior to the resistance was, was vulnerability. Like many of us kind of start with beginning to think about risk-taking, then thinking about resistance. And then, I, then my third stage is really about rest. Um, and learning how to stop working and 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 to tune into things like active, restful productivity, or I don't even like that term, but like you know things like knitting, where you just your brain your brain is still. So, I had to go through kind of several iterations of these stages, and with rest, you know, the idea that I have, I am a human and not a robot, and I really think that's hard for us to untangle. Yeah. Like, I think that's very challenging and harder than I thought it was going to be for me. Like, mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, I actually do have a body, mm-hmm. you know, and that has things that happen. You know, there's, it's not all every single morning from nine to 12 looks the same. Yeah. And that was a big learning. So I think for, for me, going pro kind of had to do with these three different stages And I did a huge amount of thrashing and I I still struggle with at times with feeling like, I mean, I have, you know, it's with imposter syndrome and acting as if and going ahead. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest transition for me was understanding that those feelings are actually normal. Mm -hmm. That those aren't different than anyone else who I respect and admire who's produced something. Mm -hmm. What I'm feeling isn't me being, isn't, isn't, isn't the result of me being a failure and then therefore doing nothing. It's the result of me being in a process and understanding what that process feels like. Mm-hmm. And I think with that comes much, a lot more grace, a lot more compassion, the ability to slow down and to carefully consider what makes the most sense today versus mm-hmm. yesterday, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that's been a pain, you know, it's been, I, I, I like everybody have been, I've, I've really struggled. And I think 
only in the past couple of years, and I think for as someone too, I'm you know prone to distraction, like kind of every button really, it seems like developing some really simple things that create the platform for me to be successful versus reinventing it every day. I save a lot of energy that way. Um, yeah. So can you tell like what triggered that change? Was it a book? Was it some somebody who or was it just gradual and there was no specific uh, no, I mean, it was, it was, um, war of art. I mean, I okay. think that's, you know, a lot of people's answer. And I think it's just because it's such an effective way of unlocking. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a perfectly shaped key to fit into this lock, you know, where you're like, oh, finally I can get this thing open. Um, I, I, for a long, I, I, I had, I was developing vocabulary in my own head too, of, of how to describe how I felt. And I, and I knew that, there was this gap between, and this is this feeling, I'll just try to put a few words to like, mm -hmm. between who, how I was acting every day and who I considered my, what I considered to be possible in my life. Mm -hmm. And that, that gap is sort of filled with pain. You know, you're kind of like, this is, this yeah. is not what I had in mind. And this vision of my adult life, this is not, that gap is not what I was looking for. I can so relate to that. I can so like, <laughs> right? see myself in in that space. Yeah. <laughs> well you and I talk about that a lot and and yeah. you have shared so wonderfully and vulnerably too about things you struggle with and I think it's I think it, it takes that kind of and our connection and our friendship like to be able to really be able to admit yeah. to somebody this is just not like how I thought it was going to be this idea mm -hmm. that I was supposed to be able to be an adult and make and do things in the world isn't what I thought. Yeah. It takes it's a lot of emotions that no one explains ahead of time that are really, really hurt that you really need to hang with for a while until they get better. And I think it's so helpful. And I'm glad we have platforms like your podcast and like all these other resources to like help people understand, myself included, about, you know, from many years ago, that all this is well within the range of normal. Yeah. And that what people need to do is to adopt the posture of grace, you know, like I am just, I am a human learner, like yeah. let's, and to not stop the process, yeah. because I think that's what so easily happens is you, you, you know, you get into a failure complex or people just are, I feel like the other side of it is people are so wrapped up in their ego that don't even know, you know, it's like, what, what? <laughs> um what other people would even think about it you know like they were only it's only about you but I guess yeah I, I in my own learning that has been critical and I but when the first discourse for me was sort of understanding that the feeling of risk the feeling of being exposed the feeling of being seen and the feeling of not the feeling I'm not talking about the, the mental yeah. the feeling of not knowing is normal yeah yeah I like I had such a strong moment where like I struggled for a number of years and I would share my struggle with everyone around me. Like this is what is happening. I would share it with mentors, friends, everyone. And everyone would, nobody would say that, okay, I also have self-doubt or I also have a struggle with procrastination or I also uh, have this. And most of them were in jobs and like in in having a manager over their head. So they did what they had to do during the day, unlike me, who 
who was like, oh, I have this idea. I'm working on it, but I don't know what I'll ship by the end of the day. I didn't know the word ship. And uh, so when I read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, like I just cried for three days back to back. I just remember sitting and just crying and reading and crying and reading and crying because for the first time in my life, another human being said, hey, I have self-doubt too. Now I think things have changed a lot over the last two, three years that a lot of people share, but still, I think it's not done enough. Like if you go to LinkedIn, you don't feel like people are <laughs> people have self-doubt or people have... Uh... <laughs> no, no, it's like, yeah, it just like oh, that... the, the art of the, the accomplishment matrix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, but just understanding, I think it's very important to understand that we are living in a different era. Like we are shifting eras and especially like COVID really accelerated that. And we're... It's just not enough for anyone, no matter how much they are earning, to just do what somebody else is telling them to do. Like, I talk to people day in and day out, and everybody has something they want to do. Maybe open an Etsy store, maybe start uh, like writing a book, or maybe teach in an NGO, or whatever. Like, I have, like, the more I talk to people, the more I realize there are these dreams, desires, that earlier people would say, okay, I'll just keep it and I'll do it at 60 or I'll do it when I retire. But now people are like, no, no, I have to find time and I have to do it in the weekend. The challenge is that when you're doing these things, whether you're a solopreneur or whether you have a side hustle, you don't have a boss. And that is the biggest challenge. Like people who are not doing anything, they think, oh, that's great. You don't have a boss. You can just do whatever you want to. But managing yourself is the challenge and that brings along all these emotions and resistance. So yeah, it's, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I just want to- Well, thank yeah. you for sharing it with me. Let me just pause yeah. and say, you've been a great example in my life too, of how to, you really, cause you, you know, it's, it's like, you know, vulnerability begets vulnerability or it generates vulnerability. So when one person does it, as you, as you do, and I mean, I do with you too, it's to say, I, and, and, and the moment that the, the other person raises their hand and says, I, I have self-doubt, everyone else in the room or many people in the room can say, okay, I, I do too. I feel like a total idiot. I feel like a complete imposter. I have no idea, you know, and this, and I, and I feel like I, sh I, feel, like, I feel things I shouldn't feel anymore. And I still feel them. And it's like, it's the, it's the courageous people who, who say so. I think it's amazingly courageous. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy yeah. for me either to say stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, vulnerability and courage are very like very much related like it takes so much courage for vulnerability and i just want to like just add on to that and ask you more about like pressfield talks about uh there are two uh, he says there are two lives the life you're living and the life you want to live and you also mentioned something like that you saw all that potential and you like you were like okay this is reality and this is what i envisioned and like how do i shift like how do i make the transition and we were also talking about earlier uh, living a really full life with work, with values. So I want to talk, I want you to talk about the other side of life. What is it? What does it feel like living the life that you're living right now and also growing with it? So we are not, I'm not trying to suggest that it is perfect or it is ideal, but like, how does it feel like to act, to to grow and what does it mean for you to live a full life? Well, oh, such great questions. Um, 
Okay. Living a, so maybe I'll start with that, the living a full life question. Um, so I think I think it's really easy for humans in to reduce humans down to things. You know, we we wanna we wanna take this kind of spongy, weird material, we want to squish it into this little kind of ball. And really, there's a lot there. You know, we're we're very multifaceted, we're full of contradiction, we are not logical, you know, we are filled, we, we, we have the subconscious, you know, there's all these things happening all the time. And I think for me, a full life means a kind of, it's almost like if my life were a stage, right? And it was a fully full scene of a room. So not only is there a tree, but there's birds, there's an ecosystem, there's, you know, water circling through the tree. There's, um, there's the, the stage and the platform of a life has different systems in it you know, living systems, life systems, and, and, and as opposed to only one, us overemphasizing me as a, here's what I produced. Mm -hmm. I am a platform for different kinds of systems that take place, right? So I am, I am a creative person. I like to produce and share ideas. Not only to produce, I like to, I like to create, I like to, I like to share with honesty what I'm really thinking about. And I like to practice noticing things, which generates more noticing and more sharing and more creativity in that cycle. So I think for me, it's sort of, it's almost like a well-armed play where the scene is fully set and every mechanism is, that we're not, we're not only like, um, in the way that you kind of feel fuller after thinking about ecology, yeah. You know, when you think about the, the the full existence, the fact that like not only do like like the example you you know my childhood or everyone's childhood the apple tree right that's 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 okay that's part of it but the yeah. apple also decomposes and turns into the ground you know mm -hmm. there's rotting there's you know there's unpleasant parts of that process mm -hmm. and there's regeneration and things move through it and so for me a full life is sort of a life with all those aspects taken into account. Um, and like on a more practical level, like that's why kind of more my theoretical or yeah, I, I don't know, my feeling um about it, but it means I I cater to I, I I the orientation of my life is is anchored in in my lived experience versus just in my head, mm -hmm. which means that my body is, you know, the term people use your body is an antenna, you're tuning into things, you're paying attention to things. My, I'm an extrovert. I love connecting with people and those needs need to be met. I need to be nourishing a sense of home and place. Um, I love adventure. I love being out in the world and connecting with people. Um, you know, it's the difference that I felt yesterday when I was home all day and I was doing great calls, made great conversations. And yet when I went out in the evening, I took a walk with friends and that simple transition from in to out. Mm -hmm. um to me a full life means that those transitions are consistent that you're not just in or you're not just out but you, you do both mm -hmm. um and it would give you space to sort of I also want in one of the things I've been realizing lately too again as I'm kind of like about to turn 40 like my part of what I want in a life is the ability to have all of this richness at once like people are like, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, how's work? And you're like, ah, work. Like that's 
ask me about anything. <laughs> ask me about what, what did I notice this morning? You know, what did I, how did I, how did I, like, what was weird about being a what kind of the fact that yesterday I and I had this feeling yesterday where I was like I feel like I'm kind of walking around in a dream you know like that weird non-discoverable sensation you know that I had like so I guess a full life to me takes all that into account but I would say more specifically yeah this my, my social my creative my adventure the in and out and really the idea that my greatest contribution is happening through me so if I feel like I'm still kind of at like a 60% and I can give a lot more or I don't even want to say that, like if I'm capable of giving a lot more contribution than I'm giving, what is standing in my way? What are the rocks in the stream obstructing the path that I am carefully and kindly and not cruelly removing from myself to be able to keep that flow? Um, I said this because for a long time, I was, I have very much like a kind of a workaholic stance I, I did not have a good balance and I wasn't tuned in to even being things like just the basic cycles of needing to rest, um, knowing how to turn off the importance of, 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 of not identifying with work so much. I mean, all the same kind of like workaholic identity things I had to sort of had to be undo. And so I think even that's been probably my greatest learning when I mentioned rest is, is that transition to, so that's my definition for a, a full yeah. life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I, I just want to point out what you just shared is inspirational at so many levels. Uh, one is to just have these different uh, experiences in your life, not just limit yourself uh, to one thing. And we hear a lot in the last one decade about passion, what is your passion, follow your passion. And somehow that's supposed to mean that if you like playing the guitar, then 24 hours, you should just be playing the guitar and they should not be yeah. like anything else. And if you are like passion is guitar, how do you like flowers or why do you like flowers? What does, and I, I think life is not unidimensional and creativity actually is multidimensional, like diversity, not only of people, but of thought brings more creativity and like the more we look at design thinking and all these processes they say like when creative when diverse people come together then we come up with innovative ideas that we couldn't have thought of earlier and so in our own life as creatives as entrepreneurs when we expose ourselves to all these different uh spaces like it could be that like you shared like knitting and creativity just connected and then that is helping you be more creative and so that is beautiful and the other thing that I really liked in what you said is like identifying what is stopping me from being a contribution and getting it out of the way and doing my contribution and and like what I feel is the reason why I do this podcast is for someone to hear that. It's for someone to just hear that, yes, there is something that is stopping you from taking action. Maybe it's just going and saying hi to that stranger. Maybe it's writing that email to the person you want to talk to or anything in your mind. Uh, it's there. Find out what is stopping you from doing that and 
get it out of the way and like that is that is that is not easy but uh, yeah let's ask you so what all things do you think can help someone in taking these obstacles out of the way what has worked for you what has helped you in 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 being creative and in being effective that's such a great question and i well so i think a lot of it is to take to, to actually create some things that take the thinking out of it because i think mm -hmm. there's too much focus we know there's too much focus on willpower we have mm -hmm. limited willpower we cannot you know it diminishes throughout the day we know that we have our own blind spots i am i am my favorite i talk about this sometimes in my writing but like my favorite cartoon is the is the skull that says i live inside your face it's like mm -hmm. this is what it's like from in here <laughs> you know okay. i can't see what you mm -hmm. see i i have yeah i am i literally i'm always coming at it from this angle which is my own you know and mm -hmm. So the more that we can engage other people, and you have ushered in this incredible gift in my life, which I think will probably be just ongoing. It is. It's just, I, I honestly didn't even, I didn't know until it's been going on recently, but to incorporate the inconsistent third-party opinion of others. Mm -hmm. And I having a great therapist is one way to do that. I've been a, I'm a full proponent of that. and done that for a long time myself. But mm -hmm. having friends who share your same level of motivation, I think in particular, yeah. or yeah. commitment to expansive, expanding perspectives, mm -hmm. it's a huge contribution right there. So I would say one thing is, is for people to not be afraid to do what you did, thank mm -hmm. thankfully, mm -hmm. which is to reach out, you know, to create a mastermind, create a consistent, committed group mm -hmm. who is willing to, to actually be courageous enough. And I think that's really the word to give each other feedback that's gracious and careful and loving and yet honest, which is a hard combo at times. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing for me that's been so critical, well, I think the two, there's actually probably three other aspects of my life that have kind of gotten, you know, is, is the sort of the practice every day. And there's different people who have different kinds of ways of explaining this, but like of deciding consistently certain things, deciding mm -hmm. daily, what is the most important every day, you know, the Greg McEwen essentialism framework, which is like, yeah. what is the most essential thing right now? Um, and if yeah. that means that you are too, that, that, that means that you're needing to, to stop and take care of something, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, so I would say prioritizing inclusion of the third parties yeah. and then the endless painful, big, distraction focused this thing getting to the focus um yeah. which is i feel like it's continued to be one of my weaker links and something i'm working on but i think the only real way that any of these habits are really incorporated into a life honestly is if they are done in a way that is actually incorporable yeah so the yeah. overwhelmed feeling you have at the end of the day, that's like, I'm not enough. I feel like I have completely failed in this sort of arena. I, I, I need to have read all these books. I haven't done it. There's all these things I haven't done. That feeling is, is a valid feeling because all feelings are valid, right? They just are what they are. What's not useful about it particularly is any point of action. There's no, that from A to B, you don't get very quickly anywhere actually at all. You probably don't get anywhere because you end up just, it's just the, oh, it's the paralysis, right? We know that's just what happens. So, so the transition between the feeling itself and your ability to say, I will do what thing about it 
in a way that I can do and that I will figure out when I will do. And that does not mean adding, you know, you know, five more pancakes to a really high stack that you have of priorities. That means what else goes, what changes, what goes down. But I think there's sort of a careful pausing that can take place. I know we've, we've, we've talked about this where you're kind of stopping to decide what is important. And I think in that, a lot of the spaciousness, the extra, the extra energy, the energy that's needed for certain things that can be changed and shifted over time starts to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, 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 that's a hard, that's a hard thing to figure out. But I, I guess for me, from just the feeling to the, I mean, the atomic habits, of course, is a wonderful mm-hmm. model. I think yeah. everyone, most people can really benefit from mm-hmm. versus staying in that kind of what feels like a bloated emotion. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't result in much. Yeah, I think it's a skill to be learned. Like it's it's something. The the biggest challenge is the desire that it should instantly happen or it should just effortlessly happen. Like I want to be a painter, so I should just start and like mm-hmm. I can just like Van Gogh painted thousands of paintings, like thousands. We only see like what five, ten, twenty. 50 but he painted thousands literally every day he would uh paint Seth I was listening to his interview a couple of days back he he gave thousand speeches almost thousand speeches in 30 years that's one speech every week like almost one speech every week he has like more than 8,000 blogs a blog every day now if you write a blog every day write it for 100 days and then come and complain that like it's not good or it's not bad or this is where you want to take it or this is but so like what I feel is just to add on to what you said and what you said was beautiful is embracing the aspect of boring in creative work like creative work will not always be mind-blowing interesting or and many times when we see the outcome we only see the outcome like you worked on the you work with this team on the Spanish version of the Carbon L neck for weeks and days. And I had some glimpse of the process because I was talking to you. But for a lot of the world, it's just like, oh, this movie has now released. This book has now released. This like we just go and it's an Academy the- Award speech. Yeah. Which is given. Yeah. Oh. We just we just go and we embrace we see the like we see the final version of the movie. Right. We don't see why it took 12 years for James Cameron to make uh, the next avatar like what was he doing and what was the process like we just and so when we shift from being a consumer to a creative we just feel it should be like buying the ticket and going to the theater and then the movie will play but the actually we now are in the like in the process and the process process challenges you by asking you can you be boring can you handle if if the creativity becomes boring and when the person says no i want it fast creativity is like no sorry not for you and the one who is saying yeah go ahead and creativity says to you are you willing to feel like an imposter like for most of the time yeah until you until eventually and we're talking a ways away yeah you finally don't you know are you willing to feel that 
Are you are you up for that? And I I I have a counter to that actually. I I I think there is a way of not feeling like an imposter, and that is to surround you by imposters. Like when I'm with you or Eva, and we are talking about creative stuff, or me saying like this super ambitious thing, I don't feel like an imposter. I'm like, yeah, this is what we do, and we feel a lot like an imposter when we are surrounded by people who are like, hey, let's just stay real. As an individual, I don't have that much ability to make change, so let's just do our jobs and go home and enjoy. And but I think when we start Building a circle of imposters, a circle of creatives, a circle of circus makers. Like I think, yeah, it becomes easier. But yeah, I think at least that you have people who who you can share ideas with and who would rather push your ideas forward than bring you back. So yeah, I think that is <laughs> one thing I have realized uh, just by our conversations over the last two three months. Is like, oh yeah, there are people like me in this world, and if I can talk to them, then I don't need to feel like uh, odd, odd, odd one out. Um, but yeah, this is amazing. And so I want to talk about Anna. Is if you if you'd like to share about what you're working on now, what is close to your heart now, and what change are you seeking to make now? Yeah. So, okay. Um, just to give a little context. So I had a, I've had a long, long career, a long, I guess you could say career, I guess that's maybe a fair way to say it in, in public health, um, which is, which I included in a dramatic transition from working international domestically in the States to moving and working, doing global health, which is really a totally different ball game. And I've done that um, managing projects um, in Peru, in particular in the prevention of HIV and cervical cancer, which I managed for the past several many years. And a lot of these projects were, are really kind of my favorite side of research in that they've taken, it's the idea is you actually, there's all this wonderful work that's already been done in the past. It just doesn't seem to ever make its way to a population that needs it. And people just need basic drugs, but you're going to work and they just don't have them. They don't take them and they die and they shouldn't, you know, this kind of basic translational or it was it was implementation science research is what I've been up to. And and then in the past, uh, really up until really the past few months or, you know, I guess maybe the past year, mm-hmm. I've been transitioning um, into a different space, which I still think implementation science is the coolest side of the research, but, and, and something I'll probably continue with, but I, you know, I, I, I've been moving into the climate space. Um, as you, as we talked about, what are the things that you can't not do? You know, the things you have to do, and that's one of them for me. And I, and for me, I'm, I'm in that kind of period where I'm focusing my ideas more. I'm determining where my greatest contribution can lie, and I think a lot of that is not just based on. I mean, obviously, it's based on figuring out structures that work for you and connecting to people and then eventually things like resources mm-hmm. but also where is your greatest contribution lie you know what is your unique contribution in the world so for me that has a lot to do with greatest need um it's always been my area of interest um so at this point i'm interested in i in in here in in peru in the loretto 
state for where I live, there's enormous needs for sexual education for adolescents in the communities. Uh, there are very few resources. There are it's a, there are a lot of accessibility. It's hard to reach these kids. It's hard for these kids to get what they need. It's hard to go somewhere. It's hard to have supplies delivered. All those things are barriers. And and topics related to gender-based violence, sexual violence, um, and really just basic access to healthcare are so limited that I couldn't unsee them. And I feel like I can't and I can't ignore them. So I'm working with some different collaborators within Peru and in the U.S. and we're formulating project ideas. It's going to, but I think my favorite new topic is this idea of, you know, emergent strategy where I'm no longer, my favorite question, I'm excited to tell you this, is, you know, is according to whom? So for example, if I have an idea for someone else to how their life could change, so I'm going to give you an idea of what you need to do to change your life. And you're kind of like, according to who? According to you? According to me? Not according to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't come up with this. You did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think a lot of the work I'm seeking to do going forward has to do with doing, like, solving people's, helping people solve their problems according to them and not me. Mm-hmm. And I think in the world of global health, and, and a lot of people will talk about decolonializing global health, is is changing, is shifting that perspective. Um, and not wishing for things to be different than they are, but meeting them where they are and finding Sarab's problem, Sarab's solutions to Sarab's problems and not Anna's, but on a global health scale and related to these topics. And so that's, so those are all areas of interest of mine. And I, mm-hmm. I also see a huge interest and this is going on throughout the world, but like adolescents and their interest in climate leadership. And that's another kind of area of interest of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of how that's going to get shaken out or what we're going to do with the carbon almanac going forward is developing. Just so people know what that is, the carbon almanac, right, um, we has been made, made available in multiple languages, but Spanish we couldn't find a publisher for. So we decided to find to publish the book ourselves in Spanish, to translate it and publish it ourselves. And um, that will be one of the resources that I want to make sure is shared kind of throughout the Spanish speaking world, too. Um, but at this point, I'm allowing the space of transition. I think there's a certain amount of thrashing that kind of happens. Awesome. Awesome. I really like this uh, emergent strategy. And it goes with this thing of empathy that we talk about so much. Is like empathizing where the other person is, what they think they need, and not just coming there and saying, hey, we know you need this and we are here to like elevate you. And I, what it reminds me, and I'll also like share the contact it is, it's just coming to my mind, is like there is this organization called Boonj in India, and it's founded by uh, Anshu Gupta, and he's an amazing person. I met him a few years back, and we had a conversation. And what he said is, like, if he goes to Indian villages, so what his model is, like, people have a lot of extra clothes, so he collects all these clothes, furniture, all this pe- that people want to like discard, mm-hmm. but he like re uh, makes them worth a reuse, and then he he started off like that. I think around twenty years ago, and now he has like uh, tons and tons of material and things to like make things better. And he was telling me about this story about an Indian village where they went and they said like they needed a bridge to be made, right? And they had all this material that they brought for the village. And the village said, no, 
They said no because they were not beggars. They did not want anybody's donation or. And so what he did is like he said, okay, the male, any the male physically well people in the village will all help in making this bridge. And as a result of their hard work of making this bridge, we are going to pay them with this thing. And that is when the village allowed them to help with making that bridge. And that's the dignity part of it. And he was talking about that dignity part of it. And many times when we think of human aid and all this thing, we, we, we forget the dignity part of it. And especially in like I live in India and like in, in, in countries that have been colonized, that dignity aspect is not talked about uh, that much. Like suddenly it's like you are underdeveloped or you're developing and this is developed. And now all you need to do is to just, uh, <laughs> yeah, just accept. And I think, yeah, what you're saying is very powerful in that sense. Like just hearing and seeing whoever you are trying to like help and for the want of a better word, because maybe they are helping you more than you are helping them. But uh, yeah, just giving them the dignity of of living life their own way. And and so I, I, I see that as a very powerful thought that you just shared. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, yeah, like, how can people reach you, Anna? Like, I think after hearing this conversation, a lot of people would be inspired to connect with you. And because, yeah, you are someone who is doing what a lot of other people think of doing or what a, a lot of other people want to do, but they have resistance stopping them. Or some people might not be able to do, but they want to be a part of this movement, this change, this, like, this uh, very pure intention of doing meaningful change in a kind and empathetic manner. So how can people reach you? How can they collaborate with you? How can they uh, yeah, connect with you? And what would be the best channels of people to reach you? Oh, well, thank you for all that. Um, it's just... It just, just, I'm happy to share contact information and I love to connect with people. So I want people to feel free to reach out to me. Um, but I, I think it's, it's, it's a cool, it's, I've had a really cool path, um, mm -hmm. in life. And I think it's a lot of it's born of privilege. A lot of it's born from the fact that I could, and a lot of people wish would like to and can't. I also think that, um, you know, I, I think part of it is, is, is just, I, I'm not sure how lucky I've gotten or how much how many good choices I've made. I think there definitely have been, but it's it's the gift of sort of this ongoing conscious life, and that we get to kind of keep keep choosing as we go along. And um, that's what I hope for everybody. Everyone can keep choosing or have the ability to choose, which a lot of people don't. But um, I, I want them to be able to. So, um. Okay, so to reach me, I have I read a blog. Uh, would love to have people, and I, where I really try to share kind of my own reflections on this, kind of in the same work that you do. And it, so it's my full name, um, A N N A 
K-O-H-L-E-R Smith at G.com. Um, and people can sign up for, a, I do a weekly digest of my writing. I usually write about three blogs a week. And a lot of it, I, I, I try to do what I'm referring to in my own head as speaking a lot in a creative voice. So allowing whatever is kind of just that bubbling up murmuring of the day of the week to be shared in a, on a platform. And it seems to be really resonant. I also, um, I also use some robots and do provide a translation in Spanish so people can read that too, um, Spanish speakers. Mm-hmm. And also feel free to reach out to me via my website um, to be in touch. If people want to talk about doing this kind of work, um, it is hard to find examples of people doing this kind of thing who are actively up, you know, living and working abroad, who are doing this kind of values-based, empathy-based work. Um, and there are people um, who want to help. And so I'd love to have folks reach out to me too, if I can help connect them or, or provide something. So, yeah. Awesome. Yes. I will share these links in the show notes and I can vouch for her blog. It is just amazing. It is just, you should go there right now and read it. And I know after reading it, you will have to subscribe. To it. So yeah, it is amazing. Bye. Thank you so much, Anna, for this wonderful conversation. It was inspiring at so many levels. And yeah, I would just, there's so much more I want to talk to you. And maybe there is another episode of another conversation which will come soon. But it was just, it was just amazing for me to talk to you today. You are the, you are the, the you, brought, you provide the gift, of the gift of the platform, right? So here we are all connecting thanks to you and your generosity. So I, that does not go unnoticed. So thank, thank you. you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening. <laughs> uh, we'll be keep, we'll keep coming back with interesting people and interesting interviews. Till then, keep making a request. <laughs>